AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. You're listening to Waiting on Reparations, a production of iHeartRadio. Get out the way, Mitch. Get out the way. Like, move, Mitch. Get out the way. Get out the way, Mitch. Get out the way. Like, move, Mitch. Get out the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. 2020s in the past made the good die young. It's a new day. And for now, the good guys won. We made Georgia blue. And Republicans mad. They're sure to sue. And we can't rest on our laurels now because there's more to do. Because we got the Senate in the House. So tell Mitch McConnell not a word out his motherfucking mouth. They don't like democracy. They go another route. So in about two years, yeah, we got to shut them out. But now we stop with the preaching of choir. Dangle Biden by the arms, hold his feet to the fire. Warnock did his thing, something we should admire. But y'all get primaried if we see you a liar. You will need to retire. You receiving the ire. We was calling the truce because the situation was dire. You was thinking it's sweet, and that's something really y'all should doubt. They said y'all radical. I want to see what they talking about. Hey, my name's Dope Knife. I'm Lingua Franca. And we are waiting on reparations. Hurry up. So, we won. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so there's a little bit of background on, like, the last couple of days for me. Um, Monday night, myself and Paul, who will be joining us later, a little later on the show, uh, met up in Atlanta and got in the car and proceeded to drive around the state of Georgia for 12 hours, putting up yard signs in, like, five different counties. And so, and then I went, we went back to Atlanta and I had just like a normal work day. Well, and shit. So, um, I'm completely dead inside. <laughs> Very excited that Mitch McConnell is going to be a Senate minority leader. 
and that we have two senators elect here in Georgia that we will be able to push towards things like universal health care and ending the war on drugs by ending federal funding for um, narcotics task forces and things like that. Well, I was just about to that inside. So I just want to make that clear from the top. Well, I was about to ask you about that. Don't worry, we're gonna we're gonna take it easy on you today because, like, one of the whole things about this episode is like shining a light on some of the work that yeah. you've been doing. You know, what I'm, I'm saying? also getting sworn into my second term as commissioner at 4:30 today, so it's just like, see, see, your girl is out there working hard, y'all. Great. So, okay, well, I mean, today we're gonna be, you know, just getting some insight from Mariah with on the work that she did in this campaign, some of her feelings about how it's turned out. And by campaign, you know, for, you know, just for the sake of due diligence, I'm talking about the recent Senate elections as well. We're also going to be talking to the uh, deputy campaign manager for Daniel Blackman, who was running for public, public service. Like- Public, public service commissioner? Yeah, the yeah, candidate for public service commissioner. Candidate for public service commissioner. We're going to be just getting a little insight on how that campaign went and everything like that. But um with uh this win for Warnock and Ossoff, the apparent win for Ossoff, I don't want to jump the horse. Uh what does that mean for Democrats and like how can progressives eventually leverage that? Well, what it means for Democrats is that they don't have any excuses for not getting anything done as, you know, they tried to under Obama when they, you know, in his first two years had the House and the Senate and the executive and like all we got was like the ACA when we could have been tackling climate change like 10 years ago, uh, you know, uh, could have done so many things and didn't uh, because no one was paying attention. But now we are. And so um, it means that the sky is theoretically the limit. I think this is where social movements then come in to create a clear mandate, like for what the people need um, and uh, making it clear that we are watching. Um, it is exciting that we have uh, senators elect that we can actually hold accountable. Like Kelly Loeffler wasn't accountable to shit. Like David Perdue, are you kidding? Um, and so I'm very, 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 very excited to fight the Democrats and other Republicans finally. So, um, I mean, it means, to, you know, $2,000 checks. Hopefully that is now the floor. We can make that recurring and retroactive to last March. Um, things like marijuana legalization. Um, Minimum wage. Maybe $15. Yeah, there's no excuse for them to not just go ahead and get these done. And in fact, it would behoove them to do so because treading lightly when you have such a narrow margin of victory as these gentlemen had is an easy way to lose. I think... Um, Whose seat is it is up in like two years? I think it's um It's a Warnock. Yeah. So like if they sit around and do nothing for two years, like he's gone. I mean he's, he's gone. And so gone. like it's it behooves them to go ahead and get it done, you know, double the minimum wage, legalize it. Um uh, ba- uh you know, close private prisons. Like let's really do this. Like sure they might not be for Medicare for all, but let's go ahead and get steps towards expanding, protecting the ACA. Um, getting a public option, just like go ahead and do that this year to set the stage for truly universal health care in years to come. So that in 2024 or whatever, um, 2020, I don't know. I don't know what year it is. I don't know what year it's about to be. Um, so when you come back around and ask for everybody's votes again, you can tell, give them clear like, yo, we did it. And not tangible. Like, well, we couldn't because, you know, Mitch McConnell or, or anything. There's no reason why there's no reason why they could can't or should they gotta have like tangible 
benefits, you know what I mean, and, and changes to their lives for all the work that yeah, it's so you're the party of working people, fucking show us. Like do it. And if you don't, and if you don't, fine. If you really don't want to, fine. But like that's the end. I mean like, primary you, motherfuckers. Or, you know, get ranked choice voting passed in places like Georgia where Republicans now see the dangers of a runoff mm-hmm. challenging their, you know, uh, their eyes uh, like grip on our governance structures. And I just, uh, I, I just thought about um, stopping the, like, yo, let's do this. So now after the presidential election and then these Senate elections, like Georgia is like officially blue now. So I, I mean, we still have a Republican-controlled legislature. Okay. Um, I would also, I mean, to me, the local is very important, and so I would also look at the uh, makeup of our county commissions. It's not like, you know, L.A. or Detroit or Chicago, where it's like Democratic-controlled, like local go- governing bodies either. Uh, and so, like, that's really important for things like. Well, since that's what you're like, I know that's that's something that you really care about. Like, what can be done? to like to make that the case like how can we start getting people more engaged for you know in elections that aren't having 500 million dollars spent on them to outside of elections that have uh half a billion dollars spent on them yeah like what 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 can we do to get people more engaged in their local and to care about the local makeup you know because i mean if people were a little if people were burnt out after the presidential election and we had to like get on people's asses and you know you were out there doing the work that we're about to get into to like get people to to actually be engaged with the smaller election in this this past senate election then it's like how do we get people even further engaged and less burnt out to where they're being involved in their local politics and stuff yeah well i mean i believe charlene carruthers put it that uh you know good leaders and good movements create new leaders like that's the goal and so through my work which i'll talk a little bit more about in a second but like my general principle for like the way i move through the political world is that like you bring people in at the ground level to to teach them the mechanics of organizing such that they learn how to they learn how to work like how to get to build coalition to build support for ideas to learn to talk about uh ideas and to learn how to talk about process such that they then have the tools themselves to run for something like county commission, um, to run for state house, or to you know to go from being just a canvasser where you're paying to knock on doors this time around to being a field manager for someone's state house campaign or a congressional campaign. And so um, I think that a lot of people that like might vote reliably Democratic previously, but like given the fervor around this election cycle might have hit the pavement for the first time knocking on doors or text banking or, you know, whatever forms of get out the vote they were participant in. Like, now they know how to do that. And now they can be the one that's leading that effort and bringing new folks in. Now they are the ones that can be putting that expertise to work in winning, running and winning their own campaign. So that's at least my hope for, like, the broader win out of all of this yeah. Um, as well as just like what I try to do all the time. Word. Okay, so we're going to get into the specific work that you were doing after the bump. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. <laughs> 
Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount+, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash TheShot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. All right, so Mariah, so just pretend that somebody is listening to the show for the first time and they don't know exactly what it is you do other than host this podcast. Like, explain to them what is your position in the city of Athens, Georgia, and then how did that extend into the work that you were doing for the elections this past few months? Yeah, I am Athens, Georgia's scariest radical liberal. Uh, I can't wait for the day that I run for some runs for something bigger, and they like make my skin look darker in the in the attack ads, like they did, like Leffler did for Warnock. Um, but nah, like so, I'm a county commissioner. Have been since 2018. Um, but outside of that, like uh, I, you know, I got my start in uh, politics. I am I hold office now because someone tapped me to run their campaign, and I learned how to um, do that and talk about policy such that I was like, oh, I can do this. Like, I'm gonna run for office, what's up? And so the idea behind this project I've been working on for the last like six weeks, Athens Progressive Canvassing Corps, marries the need for that sort of entry level experience building among just folks that are underrepresented in politics. Um, Understanding of just like what wins elections, which is just face-to-face voter contact when it's easiest to reach people at their homes. Um, And the fact that people are fucking broke right now because, they gave us $1,200 like eight months ago and we're like, good luck with your eviction and stuff. And so wanting to pay people a living wage to do this work because as uh, local elected officials, our hands have been very tied by state statutes preventing us from providing direct relief to our constituents. So it's like, all right, I can't just cut you a $1,000 check. If I can pay you $1,000 if you are out of work yeah. and uh, want to just like walk around your neighborhood and talk to people about uh, you know where they can go vote. And so 
We recruited a bunch of people, very diverse coalition of like students, like working class, folks of color, um, some seasoned organizers, some that were very, very new to, to this, had no idea what canvassing even was when they started. Um, folks, you know, on the brink of eviction, experiencing food insecurity, like got kids at home that just like needed, needed work to do and needed it before the pandemic. Yeah. That's the thing, like needed it before all of this. Um, and so like bringing those folks in because they're probably not paying attention to what's going on in the county commission, not because they're dumb, but because, but because like they're working life. Like, 725 an hour then trying to, you know, teach their four- fourth grader math at like 10 o'clock at night. Like I wouldn't either. Yeah. And so um, so we hired on a team. I think it was about ended up being about 20 like core canvassers um, to go out in, into their own neighborhoods and knock on doors and talk to people about the importance of this election. Um, we raised about $25,000, um, big shout out to the progressive campaign change coalition. They ran a fundraiser for us and raised about $3,500 for us. In addition to what we were able to get through our own campaign networks, our being uh, myself, two other county commissioners, our mayor and our state house representative, Spencer Fry. And so, um, over the course of the last six weeks, uh, we went out and knocked on about 32,000 doors all around Athens. Which is interesting because 32,000 is almost exactly the number of votes that uh, Warnock, uh, Ossoff, and Blackman were able to get out of our city. Well, you don't win an election this close without those margins actually mattering. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's not like this was a blowout or anything. So every bit of it matters. I mean, do you look back at it now? I mean, obviously, they won, so it's a success in that way. But do you see it as something that, like, you can break out again for more elections yeah now i know javi who is the you know oberlin student who was home from athens born and raised here but never participated in electoral politics before who knows how to talk policy at the door and knows how to work the minivan app and like knows who her commissioners are and so like next time around when like a commission race comes up in her district like we got somebody on the ground that can train new volunteers to do this work um uh we got, you know, James and, and Alina and Eric, who were fresh out of high school, born and raised in Athens, that knocked on, I think when I saw them on Monday, it was like Monday at 2 p.m. And they knocked on 200 doors that morning. A bunch of like 17 and 18 year olds. Like what they're going to be doing in 10 years. Like, think about that. Yeah, exactly. You know? like, and so that to me, like, sh- like, it's important that everyone get $2,000 checks. And like, hopefully we can like get if not a Green New Deal, like a substantial infrastructure slash climate like plan out of these people. But um, but we don't get there if we don't train new people to like be a be part engaged. of the of like continue sustaining pressure of helping build additional power through other offices that like help support that work, you know. So yeah. I don't know. Like it's great that we won. But so, uh, it's not about that for me, to be completely honest. I organize pretty hyper locally in the grand scheme of a state uh, here in Athens, but there's a lot of great work being done by folks who go everywhere, who go to the places like where no one, that everyone counts out um, to like help build organizing infrastructure there to help elevate organizers into candidates and who have been doing the work for far longer than I have. And so I'm really stoked to have one of those people with us today, uh, Paul Glaze, deputy campaign manager for the Daniel Blackman campaign for a public service commissioner um, to talk a little bit about uh, what he did both in this race before and shout out some of uh, our colleagues within the Georgia political ecosystem 
um, that we got to hang out with last night as we watched the results come in. So yeah, we'd love to get your take. Thanks for being here. How you doing, man? I'm okay. I'm 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 okay. It's 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 a very there's a lot of emotions today, and um, I think that honestly, I'm just really happy that Georgia showed up. Um, I'm really happy we do have, uh, uh, I guess, control of the Senate. I think is the best way to say that. Um, and it was after having just spent, you see, you gotta understand that like, this is my fifth election night this year. Like if you count this little bit of 2021 as the end of 2020, um, I worked three different campaigns and two of them had runoffs. Um, and when you do a statewide race, you get to organize with so many people, as like me and Brian was just mentioning. Uh, and it's really one of like the, the, the gifts that electoral politics can give you as an organizer um, is the ability to go to a lot of different communities um, and meet the people who care um, and who are fighting, fighting for stuff. Um, so right now, that network has been strengthened a lot. So I think even if we had lost a lot of people on the ground, but I actually still feel pretty good about this cycle. Um, I definitely would have, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, because, and, and that's a real thing. Sometimes whole cycles go by and no good, like, it's, it's this one period of time where all of your actions get a lot higher return on investment. And so you have an ethical responsibility to use that intentionally. Um, and there's whole cycles where people don't even care enough to try. So, like, the regardless, we did that successfully. Everyone feels pretty good about it. Um, Daniel, however, um, is still in the throes of, of wondering when we're going to find out the results. Um, right now, Bubba McDonald is ahead. Um, and in fact, he has more votes than both of the Republican Senate candidates um, and all of, um, I'm pretty sure, maybe not Warnock. I can look that up real fast. Um, but he has, I think, the most votes of anyone. Oh, no, yeah. No, he, he beat out everyone except for Warnock. So how, why did he overperform the other Republicans? That is the million dollar question. And actually, a mil- I've heard a lot of takes on that, you know, that he didn't hitch his wagon to Trump. And so for some that have become disillusioned with the dir- new direction of the party, like he seemed like a, you know, a solid Republican to get behind. Uh, sexism, you know, people who voted for Purdue and uh, McDonald, but not Kelly Leffler because they hate women, which like, whoops. Uh, I don't know. I don't know for sure, but like, I think these things are interesting and probably work together. Um, I don't think I, I, I think we can roll out the Trump theory um, because uh, Bubba McDonald was co-chair of Donald Trump's campaign. Um, so of the people that pay now, that being said, there's a whole subset, I think, of Trump's um, voting populace um, that really don't pay attention. Like they're there, they're, they've had an emotional draw. He's gotten them. He, like he's an, they are an audience for him now for his brand, um, but they're not necessarily political people, um, which is really normal. We we you know kind of derisively um, refer sometimes to like uh, certain types of soccer moms um, that are you know gung ho for Democrats. Um, will wave the flag. Will you know get out there and put their sign in their yard proudly. Um, and yet still harbor deep uh, resentment towards people of other races. You know, like that's a, that's a phenomenon that we know on our side uh, exists. And so I do think maybe that group of people, you think in like 
uh, disaffected uh, white guy in his like mid thirties trying to grapple with uh, the fact that he has no opportunities in his town and feels like he can't ever achieve his life dream. Like that set of people, I can definitely see, um, you know, being, you know, being uh, drawn to that. Um, but the people that pay attention would all know that this guy literally co-chaired the campaign for Georgia. Um, so we still have a problem. We still have a problem there. Um, I do think that there's a lot of people that really are inspired more by a, um, you know, a local candidate that's talking to the scale of the actual issues. Um, someone that they are familiar with, someone who has spent years coming to their community and has local community members to vouch for them. Um, you know, when we look at these numbers, it's pretty easy to, you know, it's, it's easy to get down yourself about a loss. Um, but as of right now, Daniel has just under 50,000 votes less than David Perdue. So when you think about the money that Daniel spent, and you think about the money that was spent on David Perdue, the fact that those have parity proves a lot about the strength of organizing here. Um, but, I, you know, it, it's hard sometimes to know if there's like analogous situations on the Republican side. Um, because by and large, we you know, we're... A, we're a party. If you like, if you're looking at Democrats, we are the party where the vast majority of people of color are. And so, this is kind of the, and it, it's gross to say. Like we, sometimes it, it used to be like a couple of years ago, you would bring this up, even if you got you know tiptoed towards it, people would um would start to get offended. But this is the literal structural problem when Democrats are not involved in rural white communities. Like, this is what it looks like once the impact happens. And you don't have to prioritize them, but if you're not even in them with credibility, then you don't really know what's going on. So now we're, you know, now we have to have this whole conversation trying to piece out. I mean, this is gonna be a question for the next four months. People right now are being paid mountains of money to answer that question. Um, it, it really and like honestly I feel like just us sitting here talking are going to get closer to the truth and typically that has proven right in my in my organizing and then it always frustrates people that spend lots of money on uh, on other people um, that they could have just had good conversations and probably gotten pretty close to there um, so I don't know that was that might have been a rambling answer to, your, to, to what we were talking about but I do think we can roll the Trump one out there's, got, there's a lot of stuff there though I'm definitely with Mariah on um we're about to see a wave of white feminist organizing around the issue of uh, uh, sexist Republican men who wouldn't vote for Leffler. It's going to be a conversation yeah. under the, like under the, you know, conversations like this that don't like, you know, like don't always like have the, have the virtue of being on a podcast on, on uh, uh, iHeartMedia, you know, and it's happen. I guess with the vote still, I mean, with the count still, you know, out, what is, what do you envision like your next few days looking like? Um, mostly I'm trying to do the normal things, which is um, like, make sure my people are paid, make sure, every, you know, all bills that need to be paid. You know I mean? Like just like the normal businessy side of things. Um, that's all got to get yeah. handled. And um, I like to try and be the person that does that. 
um, because it gives people who are incredibly tired uh, a moment to uh, a moment to breathe. Um, for many people, including our campaign manager, we've been doing this straight all year. Like, I w- and for years, I mean, like all yeah. year in terms of like on these particular projects, but like, yeah, but then it, it, this yeah. is also like five years in the making. Because the only way you can keep doing it is if you just commit to making it a significant portion of your life and structuring your life around it. Um, like you have to, it's the only way because it, in so many ways, it's such a time commitment and so much of your thought goes into it, um, trying to be good at it because, you know, for good reasons, you want to represent yourself well. Um, and even if you don't want to represent your community, you always represent your community. There's no, That's not a... There are so many people uh, that do politics that don't have a sense of community that like you can get, it, it's easy to get caught up in kind of like playing, living your life in a way that makes sense dealing with them. Um, but the truth is that everyone else, whether you're, you know, we moved around so much when I was a kid. Like I, I never really got to have like a, like a hometown until, uh, I don't know, like preteen years. Like before that we lived in like five or six different places. Um, and I love all those places. Um, uh, but you know, you gotta, you gotta, the older you get, the more you appreciate how short a time, you know, five or 10 years is. Um, and it means something. I don't know if this is going to be a working segue. This is also just piggybacking off of like, when you asked me earlier, Mac, like what I do. And so, and I also wanted to talk about last night. So, um, you know, we rolled up with the Blackman campaign to this bar in on Buford Highway in Atlanta um, to celebrate what were looking like hopeful returns with some organizers that we know from all around the state who'd come together to watch the results come in. And so hanging out with Khalid Kamai, not Khalid Kamai, that's, he lives in Athens. Khalid, what's Khalid's last name? Oh, wait, no. I'm, oh, I'm thinking of Kamayu Hall. Okay, sorry. Blech. Hanging out with Khalid Kamayu, who's been heading up our revolutions efforts here in in, in, in Marina, a little bass out of Atlanta. Um, uh, Michelle Sanchez, who's done a lot of organizing in North Georgia and done a lot of work around uh, Latinx mobilization for this election. And just finished up being the coordinated um, campaign's um, director for it. Yeah. And I just want to talk about this particular moment that I think is like very, spe- like speaks very much to like my brand of politics and like what I think like the future needs to look like of politics. So like we were all in this bar and like most people were watching like a football game and then like the TV right above our heads was tuned into CNN and watching the election results come in. And when it flipped, when it when Warnock took the lead, when Ossoff was tied with Purdue, our little section of the bar, everybody started like cheering and like dancing and hugging and like all the other people in the bar kind of like looked over like what's going on and all started cheering too. They were like, oh cool, yeah. Like they didn't give a shit, but like first they saw that we were really excited and they got really excited. And I think that is like very emblematic of what the work is like. Like when you get wins in, people get excited and want to try more. And also when you make politics fun, when you make it like a party, when you make it average people like hanging out, eating wings and drinking like uh, cocktails, um, at a bar on Buford Highway, like people find an easy entry into it. And so, um, like, I think that that is also what I do. And uh, a lot of what I, you know, a lot of what Michelle was doing with like Posada to the polls, getting like DJs out and like food and like just kind of like block party vibes. 
um, is like really essential to this work. But I didn't know, Paul, if you wanted to speak more about your relationship with these folks and the work that they've been doing in the state over the last couple of years, because it has been a long time coming. And I think in this moment, there are certain faces that are rising to the top of our like liberal media um, narratives that like they did a lot of work, but like there's so many other people that also don't get zero shine just because uh, the work we do is so thankless and like menial seeming at times of just like actually going and knocking on the doors and like saying no blade and driving around the state, putting up the signs, etc. So I just wanted to give you a chance to like chat those folks out, talk a little bit about how you know them, what they do. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, and um, also I uh, really grateful to that bar because it was a, it was a great environment. Um, obviously uh, for those of you who don't um, uh, live in Atlanta, um, Buford Highway has the best um, like food of every culture. Like it's a it's a very long road, and pretty much if you want the best Cambodian food, Thai food, Indian food, um, uh, food from any of the Latin countries, I am sure, like Central and South America, um, you go there. Um, and it's and it's important. So when our revolution wanted an election night live stream, um, that goes, you know, that's that's one thing. It goes on their Facebook page. That's like, but you know, usually there's like 500 people watching, and their Facebook page is 500,000 people. So we need people like Mariah in office. Um, we need people uh, like you, Dope Knife, to step up um, because. We looking no, just for the listeners. He his face got like. Like his eyebrows scrunched all the way down to his nose when Paul said that. Uh, we gonna get him one day though. We gonna get him in there. Um, yeah, I just don't think I don't think I'd let you off the hook on that. Yeah, I, I am. I'm now your Jewish mother in politics. Um, I'm constantly going to be questioning your ambitions um, and whether or not they are high enough. Uh, but it was you know it's important to us to make sure that whenever we have resources, whenever so like let's and an easy resources like our revolution letting us do a live stream on their Facebook and sending out an email to tell people to tune in. That's a huge opportunity. So our people are the people that ran the coordinated campaigns Latinx outreach. Um, that's uh, Maria Del Rosario Palacios, um, who is the person who got me into community organizing um, when I was in college. Um, I'm, I don't mean to talk uh, for people listening like that was forever ago because that was, I'm 27, I'm about to be 28. Um, but when I was like 20, um, Maria and I were in college um, at Gainesville State College, home of the Fighting Geese. That was actually our mascot, but luckily we were so small and poor, we didn't have a football team. So no one had to honk in the stands as their, you know, as their school spirit. Um, but basically the dreamer generation, the DACA kids of Gainesville came of age. And it was very important to them on a basic honorable level to be civically engaged. They felt a very strong, they still feel a very strong um, commitment to that this is what their parents, this is what their parents um, earned. And they needed to validate that. Um, and we had a multicultural student affairs office in the college um, that needed, that wanted a media person. And I was in uh, school for theater and film. I was in a film class department sent out an email like hey there's this there's this opportunity 1450 an hour $15 an hour um, which you know to a college kid you're sitting there going like 
hell yeah, $15 an hour, and I get to like help people, great, sign me up. Um, and I get over there, and this woman, I swear to God, I, I take almost every opportunity I can uh, to lionize this woman, um, because it is mind-blowing uh, to, to see the amount of, of work she does. Um, this woman will keep working honestly until it could like potentially start to hurt her and then you have to like 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 tell her like hey it's it's good you know you've done enough um but basically maria um uh was a working mother of a young kid in school twins on the way and the daca kids have to pay out-of-state tuition which makes even this community college cost prohibitive but these kids felt honor bound. And so they all took two, three jobs, whatever they had to do. Um, and while she's doing that and organizing with the students, like Maria and I basically created a student activism um, environment at our school. One had not existed. Every once in a while, this one club would do something. Um, but we managed to get that going. Um, and even like wildly successful. I mean, like for like for what it was, um, we actually got our school on Bill Maher once, um, where he said new rule: uh, the University of North Georgia has to change its name to Cracker State, and they and <laughs> home of the flying mullets. And it was our it was our Nighthawk with a with a Joe Dirt mullet, um, and they sold hoodies. Um, so those are the people that got me into community organizing. We uh, our town has at large voting, so everybody can vote for everybody in the city. Um, so literally like they segregate the entire black community into one district, black community puts up a candidate, magically some teacher is convinced to run and all the white people vote for that candidate. So that candidate wins. Um, and that's how it's always been. And that's the fight that I was, um, I don't know, that I was like born into. Um, and from, and so she is actually now. Honestly, there are multiple organizations that owe a lot of their shit uh, to to Maria doing things. Um, Anybody else you want to shout out? Yeah, of course. Uh, Michelle Sanchez is a friend of ours. She was the first Latina to run in South Hall County. Um, She ran the Progressive Turnout Project uh, operations for uh, the general election um, and is now, well, I guess until whenever this is certified, whenever this campaign is done, she is the coordinated campaign um, which is the Senate campaign's Latinx outreach director. Um, and Maria backs her up on that. Um, and then obviously, uh, Councilman Khalid, um, who is the head of our revolution, Georgia, um, their, their efforts here, um, for the runoff. Um, he and I, you know, went to them and said, no, you really need to hire local organizers. Um, we don't, you know, we, we shouldn't be bringing other people in. Y'all don't know this shit. Like, which is a case that has to be made. And then like, finally someone will come in and really get it. And then they go, oh, they're like, okay, thank you. And I'm like, I promise you, it, it will, you, it'll, it'll be good. Just trust us. Um, and Khalid's running for mayor of South Fulton, which uh, I am legally obligated oh, to uh, say is the blackest city in America. Um, and we're going to have Khalid on soon. We've got like an interview with him. Yeah, we do. Like three in the morning one time to send around somewhere. Khalid is one of the OGs. Khalid is one of the people that showed that you could be authentically progressive and run for office in Georgia. Um, and I have, uh, in terms of this, what this newer definition of progressive is, and I, I don't want to exclude the work of all the people that have been doing this for decades. 
Um, but it's, it's incredible. So I'm excited for that one. Your organizing extends into the realm of the arts. Earlier, not earlier this year, last year, you co-founded the Atlanta Artist Relief Fund. Yeah, um, my background's mostly in the theater community with some in the film community. Um, and it's really nice because between Daniel and myself, um, then we like have credibility with a majority of the community. Um, Daniel with music, um, and then me from the like acting performer side, um, technicians. Um, I would like, I've, I've never been like a roadie, but that is one of my jobs. Um, and we, when COVID hit, we founded an organization that started off as a mutual aid effort. Um, and then at a certain point, people didn't want to do all the administrative work. And it was, we weren't able to keep scaling in any way. And um, when you have a moment like that with COVID, that's an organizing opportunity. There's a window of opportunity there to get in with authenticity and credibility and do good work while people are paying attention because they'll stop paying attention. They always do. There's always a new crisis. Um, so you only have that window of time to get whatever funding you can and give it to the, the people that are best suited to do it. Um, so we got in there. The entire theater community was pretty much just like paralyzed. We were all looking at all of our shops closing down. Um, I don't know why I say our shops like it's a, like, like I own a theater, but uh, all the theaters are, are, in, are in a lot of trouble. All this, I mean, y'all know all the performing art, uh, uh, performing halls and uh, yeah, venues. venues you know, they're all, yeah, everyone's hurting. Um, so we did a COVID relief effort. Um, a woman named Bridget McCarthy, who is another one of us, artist organizers that um, did some electoral politics. Um, uh, she's a writer and uh, does a lot of work um, with incarcerated folks. Um, and she runs that organization now. Um, almost flipped a R plus 10 house district in Connecticut um, and turned down going to run the second campaign to go take it you know, for real, um, to stay here and do work in Atlanta because there's a lot of good organizing that happens in Georgia. And, and she was just excited to be in that, uh, in that space. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount+, and the stakes have never been higher. 
Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. How can progressives, like, leverage the situation? Because now, you know, I mean, theoretically, if it's a lot, it's a lot better of a situation, I would imagine, to have to fight against liberals than to fight against Republicans and fascists and authoritarians and stuff so now that we can actually have a debate theoretically because you know i mean the dnc do be on some fuck shit too i said it but like theoretically we can you know at least have these debates it's not like we're bringing these high progressive ideals to fucking the doorstep of trump and mitch mcconnell anymore so what can we do in this in these next few years to actually take advantage of that as progressives okay on some real shit i have always believed that it is morally acceptable as progressives to work with what would be considered you know what the, the establishment moderates whatever and, but I, I think i think everyone knows what we're talking about and i think it is important to make a distinction between moderates and uh power um it's okay to work with power to a degree in places like Georgia, where the stakes are high. You know, like, Democrats here are functionally very weak. Um, Like, the way this shit is supposed to work is like what Mariah and Tim and Russell and uh, Mayor Gertz did here. And I'm I'm sorry, I just left someone out, didn't I, Mariah? Spencer. Uh, And Spencer. Um, It's supposed to work like that. You have people that have built independent networks that agree to come literally combine their networks to raise money to go do some good shit that we all collectively agree on. And you earn the trust in the way you go about the negotiations. It's okay to do that here for the most part. That that conversation changes entirely once this is a blue state. At that point, if we do not have... The only way to do this is that over the next two and a half, three years, we're all swirling in the current together. And that wagon is circling. And as we're circling, we decide who we're going to join hands with. We need to have our independent power structures in place by that time so that whoever the person is that grabs and holds, you know, holds on with the other people um, doesn't have to rely on them if the other person lets go. So we need it by that time. If you don't have it by that time, there will be just a, not even need to talk about it, subconscious cultural um, confusion and there'll be a glass ceiling. And no, like there's, and there's not gonna be, there's gonna be no record of it. There's gonna be nothing like that, but we just won't be able to get past a certain point in in the tiers going up. We just, it's just gonna stop. And that's the way that shit works. So, like, we have to have our structures in place no later than 2024. And when we talk about someone that's progressive having the responsibility to run for office, whatever that office may be, what we are talking about is that, hey, 
we have this window of time. If you agree that we have this window of time, if that's what the timeline feels like in your soul, then someone has to do it. And if there is, like, if you can find someone else and support them, cool. Absolutely do that. If you can't find someone else, then you have a responsibility. That's how we get most people to run for office. That has to happen. Um, at the same time, though, during these next two years, Stacey Abrams is coming for the governor's mansion. And to be, yeah. And to be clear on what that means, because people seem to not, I, I, I don't know how dumb everyone else in the country must be, but if you, you don't know this, if Stacey Abrams is the governor of Georgia, Stacey Abrams functionally decides who the next two presidents are. Like in terms of political credibility, like as these Southern states go blue, the person whose opinion is gonna matter the most is not gonna be Jim Clyburn. And at that point in time, whoever, like you're gonna have to have the Southern, the Southern states in the Democratic primary to win the presidential primary. You're gonna have to do it. Also, if we notice the last two presidential campaigns in the Democratic primary, that's what fucking happened. So like, like with Bernie, I'm not mad at Bernie for for any for any ability or inability to not be himself. I'm mad at Bernie because that was an undisputed fact, and he did nothing to come and change that reality. Now his pivot to the first serious presidential level respectable engagement and re investment into organizing in the Latinx community is incredible. So this is not to there's a, there's actually a, a finer like political philosophical divide professionally in politics and Democratic Party politics on that answer, and like that makes it sound sometimes like more than what it is. But ultimately, these people are the people to do the hiring and the firing. So they're like minute opinion about something that they only think about for ten seconds. If that just gets calcified because they never come back and think about it again, later on it does have real impact. Um, so you have to think about those things. So for the next two years, first off, this state just saved the goddamn country. That's a fucking fact. And anybody who does not recognize that will not be allowed to come do work in Georgia. Why would we work with those people when they don't even fuck with us enough to respect us? That means people here have more value and can step up and do things. So, Paul, how can we keep up with your work and the work of folks that... Uh you fuck with so in um what so councilman khalid is running for mayor as i said south fulton um i pretty much wouldn't do much of anything if khalid didn't fuck with it um you can find him uh at khalid cares k-h-a-l-i-d cares uh, dot com um maria del rosario palacios uh, runs an organization called uh, gainesville familias unidas um you can look them up online um, Michelle Sanchez, uh, you can find all of us uh, on social media. Um, and if you want to get involved in anything I'm doing, um, this year is going to be pretty North Georgia centric. Uh, so just be prepared to come up. As for me, I'm about to take a fucking break. A nigga like me is about to check out and not follow anything election related for at least like three or four days. I just need a fucking break. As a matter of fact, next week, we're going to be doing an episode that I've been waiting for a long, long time. But we're going to talk about black people 
and comic book, sci-fi, fantasy, nerd shit. I don't even know what we're going to call the episode yet. I'm thinking like blurredom or like um, um, black nerddom or like the the revenge of the blurs. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But that's what we're going to be doing next week. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about some of the intersections between like black nerddom and like black like fantasy as like tied to Afrofuturism and its political implications. Um, and so it should be a really good episode next week. I too am taking a weekend to uh, sleep hard. Um, just, uh, I can't wait to not answer my phone. Uh, no one's going to hear from me. Everyone's going to think I died. It's going to be great. Um, but yeah, we'll see you all next week. I'm Lingua Franca. I'm Dope Knife, and we are Waiting on Reparations. See you next week. Waiting on Reparations is a production of iHeartRadio. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.